So thank you, Mr Shields, for taking the time to talk to me, as I understand you have a great deal to do with our mayor. I'm very grateful for your time, and it's an honour to interview you. No problem at all. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in Dubbo. I'm actually fifth generation resident of Dubbo. Um, in fact, uh, I've got a bit of a family history here in Dubbo where my grandfather was one of the last wardens at the old Dubbo jail. So um, I, both mum and dad, uh, their families were uh, very large families as well, and um, I've stayed. But out of my mum and dad's three boys, I'm the only one that stayed in Dubbo, and I'm the youngest of three boys. And could you please describe our childhood to our listeners? Well, I always grew up um, not on big farms, but those hobby farms just out of town. So um, when I was about nine, we moved to a place just out in uh, far between Wongarbon and Dubbo, um, Yulamogo Road. Uh, so I grew up out of town. Um, I went to uh, Dubbo Central School and then the later part of high school I went to the, uh, the Christian School. So I, grew, I went to school right through, through Dubbo. Um, yeah, my growing up was always interesting. My father uh, worked for the ambulance as a mechanic and then fleet manager and, um, and also my mother worked in, um, in advertising in, in town as well. So I always had a lot to do with um, the various roles they had as well um, going up. So it wasn't just about school for me, it was also about seeing what mum and dad are getting up to. We had a bit of out of town experience as well. Um, right through school I used to, uh, particularly high school, I always used to have a part-time job after school as well. In fact, um, when I was 14, I started working at Target, which is uh, sadly closing down very soon, but being replaced by Kmart. So um, yeah, I had a very, very typical Dubbo experience growing up. And what made you want to uh, move into town and take a, take the job you're in now? Well, um, it's interesting. I've never been a Farmer Joe type person. In fact, I'm very much a pen pusher. So um, that's that's one thing. And um, yeah, so I, I, I live in town now. I'm not someone who would, who would want to be out of town. Um, but look, I've always wanted to go into politics. Um, I was elected to Dubbo City Council when I was 18 years old. In fact, the night before my major end of year HSC English exams, I had my first council meeting. It was that extreme. Um, so I sort of fell into the role of being a councillor. I sort of I ran in the 1999 council elections thinking I won't get elected. I'll make all my mistakes in this round and then the next round I'll get up. Well, I ended up getting up. So um, and the rest I say is history. I spent a long time on Dubbo Council since, basically, and now I'm now eventually made it to the Mayor. But that's the, what made me stay in Dubbo is because I've got this, um, I, I really do have this connection to the town and uh, a lot of people I, I get around with, um, they find it quite amazing. I've always got a story of every little nook and cranny around the city, you know, that uh, this happened here when and back then and I, understand, I know the story of what business opened and why and who did this, what, that back long time ago and that. I've got a, a big knowledge of Dubbo and I feel I have some sort of um, real um, connection to the city. Yeah, that sounds really similar to Stephen Lawrence's and Troy Grant's story, run for an election, maybe, maybe not, but then they, they got in and that's how it that's how it kicked off. And did you know what you wanted your career to be? Did you know you wanted to be a councillor? I always wanted to go into politics, and I'm sort of in there now. Um, so as a very, very young boy, of about 10 years old actually, I started really following politics and um, wanting wanting to go there. That's always been my um, my ambition. Sort of them at, at the moment with being the mayor. 
Um, but that's the rest, I say, is history from there. Um, but look, even as a teenager and that, I'd attend Liberal Party meetings and things like that. I'd always be out on election day handing out um, how to vote cards. I'd, I'd know different politicians and things. And, uh, you know, it's, um, that's always been my career ambition is, is always politics. And so you're talking about handing out uh, election, mm-hmm. uh, how to vote cards. Yeah, of, yeah. Yep. Um, and then when you when you kind of got into that, you're the person who's being voted for. Um, what is campaigning like for you? What was that like for you? Um, hectic. It's an emotional roller coaster ride because in a political situation, you can never make everyone happy. So you're always going to have people who are very very upset with you. And what makes it even worse in politics is that. Um, the people who are happy with you are not as vocal as the people who are unhappy. So if it's 50, 50, if you take a stand on an issue and it's 50, 50% of the community are for it and 50% against it, it's always going to be the people who are against it. And to be frank, sometimes when you're in the middle of a, of a great political argument or a political fight, it does really get you down sometimes when you're just getting smashed and criticised all the time. You've really got to show a sense of discipline not to take things too personally and and know that it's politics you just got to keep on keeping on um one of the greatest disappointments i see in politics in this day and age is that i see there's a a level of nastiness in the political debate which i think isn't helpful um i'd like to see australia or, or the western world in general move to a a way where we can um where we debate policy as opposed to necessarily getting nasty about it. And I just see it happening all across both Australia and the US and that people are getting nasty in their debates. And, and even on a local level, we gotta, we gotta start being more friendly to each other and agreeing to disagree. Yeah. And do you think this is uh, exacerbated as such by social media? And Yeah, social media, it really is a double-edged sword. On one hand, it is fantastic from a mere point of view. I can just type something straight away into my phone and thousands of people see it very, very quickly. It's great that way. But on the flip side, um, you know, as they call it, these day and age, fake news. That gets out there well and truly, and that is um, something we have to deal with. There's no point a politician um, hiding from social media and not engaging on social media because... That is the way, not of the future, it's the way of now. That is where a lot, I dare say, the majority of people are now getting their information from, digitally, especially from social media. So you've got to engage. But in the old days, um, you know, a newspaper, if someone was writing a letter to the editor or ringing a talkback radio on, at least there was an announcer there or an editor there that would filter out nonsense. Now everyone's got a voice. Now that is ultra-democracy, but it also brings the rise of, of fake news. So... It's um, it's good and it's bad all in one. And just changing tack a little bit, what what do you think is the importance of local governments to local communities outside of urban areas? I personally think local government is, um, after the federal government, very very important. Um, I'd like to see local government, if anything, given a bit of expanded role in this country. I'm one of those people who don't believe that we should even have state government. I think. Um, Local communities are so different between, they're almost different nations in a way. Um, You can talk to someone from even on the coast of New South Wales and they're so different. They've got different aspirations, almost different personalities and that. So it's very important that local communities have a say in the direction of where their local community is heading. Um, A good example of um, of where a local community needs to have a say on where our community is heading is is one of the... um, 
campaigns we're embarking on right this very minute. And that is we're trying to get a drug and alcohol rehabilitation centre in Dubbo. Now, let's let's call it exactly for what it is, warts and poor. Dubbo has a bit of a problem with a drug and alcohol addiction. There are certain sections of our community that really do struggle on that sense. So we really need that here. So we need local government to make that decision for us to chase that facility. But there's probably other parts in the state who maybe not as hectic when it comes to drug and alcohol. Um, so they don't necessarily need that. So it's good to have local representation to, um, and, and local government who can actually make a decision based on what's needed in that particular area. Does that mean you need a more collaboration and working together on the local level to get um, that kind well, of... Well, talking collaboration, it's always important that all levels of government talk to each other. Um, sometimes you're going to be in fisticuffs, you're going to be fighting and brawling with other levels of government. Sometimes you're going to be in furious agreement with another level of government. Sometimes you're going to have to particularly from local government, you have to play the suck-up role and beg and plead for every last bit of money you could get from the, the feds or state to, to give you. So there's all sorts of... But, but the most important thing is, is to have communication lines open between all levels because each level of government, federal, state and local, we all need each other. There's none... You know, it's not just a one-way street. And right now, do you think there's an issue with uh, local and state and federal government talking to each other throughout... Um, I, it goes back to what I said earlier, I think to a degree in, um, well first and foremost I think our, within Dubbo we're going quite well within our area, federal and our state and local governments, we're, we're talking, our representatives are all talking well. But I do detect, as I said earlier, there's a level of nastiness which I haven't, which I think is new to our, um, our country and, and, and to Western democracies really, where there's so much bitterness and nastiness between various political factions and parties and all that, and, and so much personality-driven politics, which I think it is very, very counterproductive. It just, you know, um, taking on people based on personality, or it, it doesn't achieve the common good of making our society better. And I think that's a problem on a greater scale. But in a Dubbo point of view, um, our, our representatives from the federal and state and local, we quite, we're, we're always talking, sometimes arguing, sometimes agreeing. And can you tell us another challenging and fond moment from your career in politics? Hmm. Well, elections are always challenging. The biggest challenge I've had in my career when I first became mayor, actually, because um, I didn't have a, and I still don't, have a path set from previous mayors because the previous mayors of Dubbo were mayors of Dubbo City. I'm the mayor of the Dubbo region. So that means I've not just got Dubbo City, but we merge with Wellington next door. So I've got the task, um, the biggest challenge is to merge two organisations, two councils together, Wellington and Dubbo, into one, try and make sure both sides are happy, try and stop a lot of um, perception in Wellington that Dubbo's stealing all its money and vice versa, that. Wellington's stealing all Dubbo's money and we're not getting as much. It's, it is a real challenge putting two big organisations together. So on one hand, that's my biggest challenge. But on the other hand, it's also my biggest accomplishment in politics as well because I have been a councillor for a very, very long time. Um, I'm, I think I'm doing a fairly good job of putting, to, putting the two together. Um, 
at the start of the amalgamation of the merger between Dubbo and Wellington, there was definitely a lot of people, in, particularly in Wellington, who were against the merger. And I see that largely turned around now because you just, just got to constantly work at it and chip away. So it's my biggest challenge and also biggest achievement all in one. And uh, speaking of getting elected to mayor, how did it feel when you got mayor? Um, to be perfectly honest, finally, because I tried so hard for so long to get there and um, I finally got it in the end. The um, Yeah, look, um, a lot of people have asked me the question, um, is it exactly what you, is it what you thought it was? Yeah, it is, um, because I've seen, I've worked with four other mayors before in the past and I know mayors from all over the state. I, I knew exactly what the workload would be. I knew, um, so yeah, but look, it's a bit of relief to a degree that I finally got there because um, I tried so many times. But I'm I'm here now, and uh, to the shock of a lot of people around Dubbo, the sky didn't fall in when I become mayor. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and the council is actually you know, since the merger, it's starting to really start to take shape, and um, Dubbo is starting to grow as well. I'm very very proud of a lot of the initiatives that this council has been able to do that previous councils just didn't do. Um, so, yeah, that, that's basically it for that one, yeah. Uh, the op- you'd, you've been doing the opposite of the sky falling in, but so what do you think is the biggest contribution that you've been able to make to the Dubbo region? I think that the, the biggest contribution I've been able to make so far is I've been able to give a level of stability knowing that I, I live and breathe local government. I've been on the board of the local government association for since 2006. I'm the longest member of that association's board, and I've been a councillor for over 20 years. So when the time come to merge two organisations and effectively um, chaos of, of the merger of, you know, inevitably some staff members didn't get a job and some did and all that. So it's, it's going to be chaos during a merger process. I think the biggest contribution I had to make and I have made so far was keeping a steady ship and understanding how local government works on a greater scale of the entire state um, and making it as, as seamless as possible. There are other councils during the mergers in 2016 across the state where it has been absolute bedlam. It has been um, a real challenge to them. and. We've been able to, and I've been able to sort of steer the ship in such a direction where, yeah, we've had problems, but using a bit of experience to know exactly how to make sure things are, are going. The other great achievement is also been um, the fact that I have a council down at the moment, a bunch of councillors who are harmonious. Yeah, we'll have disagreements here and there, but, um, you know, there's very rarely any... Um, really nasty um, debates or, or anything like that in the chamber. There's always, um, we genuinely get along with each other. We genuinely work well together. And um, that's that's the other big a- accomplishment I've had so far. And so what are some of your plans for the future for the Dubbo region? Okay, so the biggest um, thing I'm focused on at the moment is knowing that Australia is going into a recession, could be quite a deep recession. My biggest focus at the moment is making sure that Dubbo is insulated as much as possible. We don't get hit as hard as the rest of the country. So there are certain things that I'm trying to do to make sure that money stays in Dubbo, like um, uh, we, we've introduced a new local purchasing policy. So council, for example, we, um, you know, the council staff, they're now under a direct order effectively 
they must buy things locally now. There's none of this going out of town to, or anything like that. So they have to use local shops and businesses now to buy things. Um, that's that's one thing we're working on. Other things is economic um, promotion and development, trying to get new businesses here, promoting it. It's very important that a mayor, um, not just, they, a mayor should always be doing this, but even more so now be talking positive about the about the area, you know, really talking up the place. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. In a recession coming, half the fight is to try and keep the perception of it, um, of the recession down. You, you've got to always be talking positive. So my immediate plans at the moment is to do whatever I can do to make sure that this uh, region continues to grow. That is, um, I dare say it's probably 90% of the thing I'm, I'm focused on at the moment is to fix this this coming problem with which Australia and so many other countries are going to have because of COVID is going is having is to make sure that Dubbo fares better than anyone else. And so with with COVID nineteen, the tourism industry has been obviously impacted. Yep. How do you do you plan to keep the tourism industry stable? Well, 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 it's interesting. So there's a bit of a mixed bag with our tourism industry here. So it turns out that if you look at the um, Western Plains Zoo, Taronga Western Plains Zoo's visitor numbers. Around about 1% of those visitors to Western Plains Zoo come from overseas. This is before COVID. So cutting off our international visitors to the whole country doesn't actually necessarily affect Dubbo that much. But people in Sydney and all over New South Wales and the rest of the country, they can't go overseas for holidays. So they're looking at places like Dubbo to do their holidays. And did you know now, we're in um, mid-September now, but the Taronga Zoo, the Zoofari Lodge, is booked all the way to January now. So our tourism industry is going quite well um, because of COVID at the moment. And um, even people wanting to go to Queensland for a holiday, they've got the border blocked from Sydney. They're coming out to Dubbo. So that's a little bit of a silver lining in this this real problem we've got with the tourism industry. Yes, it will hit be hit later on and we're going to have certainly have troubles um in the future when the borders open again because there'll be lack of money but at the very at this very moment our tourism industry is doing quite well but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be out there promoting it promoting our retailers as well yep yeah definitely and um what are some of the biggest challenges facing dubbo today i mean obviously besides the pandemic and how do you plan to Fix them. Well, our biggest problems in Dubbo, the, the first initial problem is the economy going, um, is, is in trouble. I touched before on our drug and alcohol uh, problem because I'm a believer that, um, you know, as the Deputy Mayor says all the time, you can't just arrest your way through the drugs problem in Dubbo. We've got to make sure that we make good social investment to make sure that people are off that terrible these terrible illegal drugs that just wreck people's lives, which causes crime. That, that's our next big thing that we need to, to sort out. Another thing is to, we need to effectively be able to sell ourselves to other levels of government that um, regional New South Wales in particular, and in a place like Dubbo, we have so much to offer. That is a huge struggle for us to convince um, the decision makers on other levels of government to invest in Dubbo, to understand that so many things could be done out here and, um, you know, and, and practically too. And it's not just a matter of, oh, you have to spend more to do things out in Dubbo. No, in a lot of cases, it's cheaper to do things in Dubbo. And we need to, we need to convince other levels of government that um, 
that regional New South Wales is should be invested in, should be looked after because it's in their interest as well. And that is our big challenge has always been to um, put our hand out for our fair share when it comes to when the state and federal governments divvy out their, their money on who gets what. And finally, could you tell our listeners one piece of wisdom that you wish you had at my age? Oh, only one? Only one. The best. Okay. Um, realistically, I, the best thing is work out what sort of person you are and chase it. Um, I reckon at your age, most kids know whether they're going to be a university student and if they'll go into a profession or they know they're best off being a tradie or they know if they're best off going into some sort of entrepreneurial um, sort of role. Don't try and be something you're not. That's, that's the message. Great. So thank you so much, Mr Shields, for taking the time today. It was a great interview and I hope you have success in all of your plans for Demo's future. Thank you. Thank you.